If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Hello and welcome back. Uh, Not sure why it took us 25 episodes to get to this awesome topic, but here we are today. Uh, We are going to be talking about coaching interns, a question that Sabina and I get often. You know, tell us a little bit about coaching interns. What's what's different about it? What's the same? Um, You know, I think you could argue that coaching is coaching and interns have the same role as a full-time FR, so there really can't be too many differences. But there really are some nuances that can make coaching interns different, such as managing just the sheer quantity of interns or coaching to expectations around school schedules and so on. And to help us dig deeper into this topic today, we have brought in two experts in their craft, Sarah Ward and Gabe Adams. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, let's do some quick intros. Um, So Sarah Ward is the co-founder of Empire Growth Partners and has dedicated her 20-plus year career to executive leadership coaching, helping Fortune 500 companies build sustainable growth strategies and guiding those firms to hire the right talent. Prior to co-founding EGP, Sarah held various positions with Northwestern Mutual. As the Director of Development, she served in many capacities, including recruiting, hiring, training, and professional development of all of the new full-time advisors and leading a team of financial advisor interns. And during Sarah's time with Northwestern Mutual's corporate office in Milwaukee, she partnered with top leaders to transition internship programs into business units. Um, As Uh, An Empire State native, Sarah frequently enjoys spending time with her family in upstate New York. She is married to Dylan, who I love this. She recruited to Northwestern Mutual in 2004, and they reside actually in St. Petersburg, Florida, where the sun shines much more often uh, than her two previous homes. We were just having a great conversation about (laughs) the awesome weather in Florida as we're struggling through March in Wisconsin here. Um, But anyway, uh, she enjoys relaxing uh, summer weekends at her cottage on Lake Ontario with her family, pretending to be a drummer and playing tourist with her husband around St. Pete. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Yeah. And then we have Gabe. Um, so Gabe Adams, this is fun. Gabe was even like, oh, don't feel like you have to read all of those accolades. I'm like, oh, but they're so good. It's so fun. Um, what an amazing, <laughs> Absolutely. yeah, what an amazing run. Um, so Gabe was an intern um, from 2013 through 15. Uh, he was a full-time advisor, 15 through 21, a college unit director, uh, 2016 through 19. And during that time, he was the number seven Mike Gish in the company in 2015 and 2016, the number eight. CUD for 16 and 17, 
and the number one CUD in both 17, 18, and 18, 19. Um, what an impressive resume. He has converted over 12 interns, eight of them pace setter first 40, three of them achievement award, and one, how cool is this, a, li- a lives leader summit qualifier so far. And my guess is a lot of them are still there and still working towards those awesome accomplishments. He's averaged over 40 interns recruited per year from 2017 through 2019, averaged over 20,000 of intern premium per year as well. Born and raised in Cleveland, Gabe loves his Cleveland Browns, but he loves the internship even more. He knows a thing or two about consistent effort, clearly, by all of the information I shared, as he is married to his wife, Lauren, after seven years in the friend zone. That takes some determination right there. Uh, They now love to travel and patio hop with their dog, Bane. Welcome, Gabe. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I had a good run in Cleveland. It was actually uh, 200000 average 200, premium. Oh, what did I yeah. say? Did no, I say twenty? Twenty. I see it yeah, says no 200 problem. I probably just said 20 So thank if you for the, the correction. Wrinkles, I thought that one was, it was important. That, so, yeah, there's, no a, there's a little difference between 20 and 200 yeah. so that's a fair correction. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, course, all right. Thank you. Well, so let's dive in with some questions around the internship program. I would say the most common question we get is, what is the recommended activity for interns? And Sarah, let's start with you. Um, I know, you know, my assumption has always been, well, they're doing the same job and during the summer it should be the same, right? Question mark. But I also don't want to make any assumptions. So we're going to leave it to the experts. Tell us a little bit, Sarah, about what you all recommend um, in terms of interns compared to full-time. Yeah, our recommendation is that they're focused on doing 100 fact finders a year. And I know before I moved to the home office, that was the home office recommendation was to do full-time activity in the summer. And in the beginning, so early 2000s, I felt like we had more people doing 25 or more fact finders in the summer. But kind of as we expanded the amount of interns that we were bringing on, less and less as like kind of a collective group, we're doing those 25 fact finders. So I moved to the home office. We actually did a study with interns and then also the leaders. So with the interns, we were determining if they were top performing interns, what did their activity look like? And then what did that produce? And then with leadership teams, we were asking them, what are you coaching to? And depending on if it was full-time or a different number, you know, how is that working for you? So when we looked at this, we looked at what is meaningful and doable that gives them exposure and experience. And we talked around 100 fact finders. So in the summer, What our recommendation is, is that interns are doing 15 fact finders per month, June, July, August. And in the school year, from September through May, that they're focused on eight fact finders a month. And when we look at that, what we tell uh, offices is if your interns on average, like collectively as a group, are doing better than 15, your number might be higher to give your team exposure and experience. If they've never, ever made it close to 15, it might be lower. So just creating whatever those expectations are for those interns to get that real exposure and experience and not feel beat up every time they come into like a weekly activity meeting mm-hmm. will help them. So the last piece of that is when we looked at those 100 fact finders, the eye-opening thing that came from that was that the interns that were like your top 20 interns that were doing 100 or more fact finders were actually doing 50% or more joint work. So that was a surprising number to us. Whereas those interns that were doing 100 or more fact finders with way less joint work, not having the same results at all compared to the people that were actually doing, you know, 50 or more percent joint work. 
So that last part there is huge, right? I mean, Sabina and I did a, a whole podcast episode on joint work and the impact of joint work. And, you know, we can repeat ourselves over and over till we're blue in the face about how important joint work is. But when you hear statistics like that, I mean, that's huge. Uh, and I'm not surprised, really, right? It isn't just about the quantity, but about the quality. And that's what mm-hmm. joint work brings. I also love the idea of the 100 fact finders per year. It allows some wiggle room versus just the summer is this and, you know, that during the fall or spring, it looks like this. So that I think is a great way to look at that. Um, Sabina, any follow-up questions on your end before we hop into the next question? Uh, no, no. Not yet? Okay. I- I do not. Okay. I have some thoughts, but I'll share those later. Okay. All right. Well, jump in whenever, obviously, whenever you feel you want to. Tell me a little bit. We talked about activity expectations. Any other expectations that are different during the summer versus the school year that weren't covered under activity per se? Um, So when we're focused on that, we're focused mostly on those fact finders in the activity, but also how they're showing up. So we're talking about, you know, more personal responsibility too. So outside of like activity coaching, it is also, you know, how do you own the business? How do you operate the business? Um, one of our recommendations is that with those uh, college unit directors that they're meeting with their interns monthly to help them prepare for every month that's coming after that, which is something that we call new game time. And with that new game time, the concept of that really helps interns to um, prepare for whatever their goals are. So The goal of that meeting is essentially to teach interns how to have better self-management and then ultimately how to run their effective practice. And what we know about uh, helping interns with with really good self-management is it starts not just with like setting those goals, but also establishing a work plan to go along with those goals. So for this new game time, uh, in terms of having this as an expectation, what we always recommend is that a college unit director is to schedule this meeting with um, their group of interns about seven to 10 days prior to the next month. And then this will allow for the interns to establish that work plan and for those CUDs to actually give some feedback. So there's three main things that we're talking about in the structure of that type of meeting to help with that activity coaching. So first is review goals, review their activity and have them review their production progress to date. The second thing is for them to look ahead at their next month and ultimately visualize the process that it's going to take to achieve whatever the goals are, whatever the activity uh, expectations are, whatever production they're focused on, so that they can help keep themselves on track for whether it's annual goals, semester goals, uh, however you set the goals with your interns. And we know by helping them visualize that work plan or visualize that process and then actually plotting it out on the calendar, the more apt that they're able to succeed because they can actually see how to do something that they need to do. And then the last piece is ultimately to create an ideal calendar based on those goals. So when people are doing that in conjunction with the activity expectations in conjunction with actually coaching interns regularly, this is allowing them to be much better prepared coming into like a client builder and much better prepared to actually achieve whatever it is that they want to during those months. Sounds very Granham-esque to me, which I absolutely love. Uh, Sabine and I are obviously huge supporters of Granham, but he obviously, I mean, just the reviewing goals and the activity, but he actually recommends Mm -hmm. that monthly planning meeting looking ahead at the next week. And obviously, we all talk about posting and planning. Everybody forgets the planning part, right? They do the posting, but they never look ahead at the next day. And this takes that one level further, which is looking at the whole month. I also love the part about better self-management. I know it's easy to forget that these 
kids, literally they're kids, right? I mean, they're 20, 21 years old. Um, and for many of them, this is their first professional experience. And so to throw them into, you know, not just this professional environment, but really to be running their own business, it's easy to say, well, just go out and, and see people. But to the extent that we can help them understand some of those early uh, best practices around how to run a business and tracking expenses and a separate bank account and on and on and on, I think that would help with the conversion process as well to help them see the big picture. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, Gabe, let's switch to you. Oh, Sabina, did you want to share something? Well, I, I was going to toss in when we were talking about activity expectations. You know, we talk in the full-time um, arena all the time about the gift of high expectations. And I think that's also something to keep in mind for interns because high expectations in general just mean that we care about you, we expect a lot of you, and what you do matters. And I think that whether you're intern or full-time, the level of what's considered a high expectation might be different, but we still want to make people um, aspire to do better by understanding the impact that they have, even as interns with what they do in the marketplace. I mean, they could be, they could help somebody with something that changes that person's life. Hmm. Yeah. Love that. All right. Gabe, tell us a little bit about what you have found that has worked best for activity coaching specifically, and a little bit around too, just the format of it. I know coaching interns can be tough because all of a sudden, come May, <laughs> you have 30, 40, 50 in some offices, right? New <laughs> people that need activity coaching. And I can't imagine one-on-one -on -one is necessarily going to work in all of those situations. So tell us what your recommendations are. Absolutely. And there's so much here that we'll get into today together. But to start from a formatting standpoint, we thought it was very important that they had something every day that they're doing in the office. So um, whether that be activity coaching or development, but every day there's something. So our schedule was Mondays where we kept it very motivational, very light, hang out. We used an intern room for this. If you have a space like that or a space where you can, maybe there's an area in the lobby of your building that you could meet, but more of a casual space where you get to interact with each other before you're sitting at a desk, you know, in front of a computer type thing. So Mondays, we kept very motivational and focused on the week reviewing commitments, but not really diving deep into activity coaching. Whereas then Tuesday and Thursday, that's when they were, were receiving their pace coaching. And typically that was run by a college unit captain or by a CUD or a recruiter. We kind of uh, took turns taking the load of of that pace coaching. And those would be in groups, ideally three to seven, depending on the size of the class that we had, but they would be 30 minute sessions that would happen um, for an hour and a half straight with three different groups, depending on the size of the group again, the, and, and the, what time of year it was and those things. But Tuesday and Thursday uh, was focused on that to build that momentum and keeping them active and attentive to the week and reminding them of, on track for their commitment, all of those things. Wednesday is when we had their mentorship meeting. Again, this could be done in groups based on kind of tenure or success levels that the interns are having. And in those mentorship meetings, we would focus on the patterns that are happening from an activity standpoint, while it's doing case prep and other things in there, but to stay focused on activity. That's where we'd identify leadership opportunities as well for that group. And we'll get into some more of that and how they can help each other out as well. But that's that is where we were spending more one-on-one -on -one time CUD-wise uh, or, or with a very small group uh, on Wednesdays. And then Friday, that's when all the numbers go up on the board and all of the activity is being reviewed together, noticing patterns in the group, celebrating wins, 
having a little bit of humor built into that. I, I always remember saying something like, well, you know, Luke, you're not going to be able to afford haircuts like that anymore if you don't make more dials, right? Like just, you know, different things like that or, um, wow, you know, this much submitted or that many QSs, you know, what, what are you going to do with that list, right? Like just making little fun comments about the successes and poking a little bit of fun at maybe the areas where people fell short, um, but keeping that pretty light at times. And then other times they'd know I'd come in, oh, Gabe was on one today and would be, uh, you know, a little more strict on, on some of the numbers. But that's where you're getting reviewed in front of the whole group. And we actually ran those Friday meetings at 7 a.m. instead of in the afternoon as well, which I know is common for a lot of the offices. And that 7 a.m. time frame, I think, added a level of uh, intensity to it as well. Makes sense. I love the focus on fun. I remember when I worked in the home office, and literally this was, I'm not sure how many years ago, 20 plus years ago, but we talked about the importance of fun and keeping it light. And I don't think that's something we ever grow out of, right? If we're doing it for the interns, I think we should be doing it for full time too. What can we do to make client builders and and meetings just more fun and more light? Great advice. So you've used this term, a granimal buddy. What is a granimal buddy? Yep. So granimal buddy is one, a buddy. <laughs> so the, in the simplest form, but someone in the office that through training um, or just that you recognize that, that you can kind of match them up together. Again, it's not, depending on the group. Ideally, they it's just one, it's just two folks, two interns together. And that's where they are specifically challenged to hold each other accountable as well. Um, just an additional layer of accountability from a different standpoint. Um, where they're, they're kind of responsible, held responsible. I remember as an athlete, if one of your roommates was late or missed uh, a training session, the people who lived with that person were almost ridiculed more than the person who was late themselves. He's like, well, they made a mistake, but you were there. Like, how could you not give them up? And so that whole concept of like the granimal buddy also being responsible for the effort that's going into the activity of their granimal buddy. And not wanting to let them down and, and celebrating team achievements and a total number of dials, QSs or fact finders completed. And to just giving them a little adding some competition, another layer of accountability from a peer and uh, ultimately just another person that you don't want to let down. Fun. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are, and this question can be for either of you, Gabe, if you want to go first, but I'm just curious, what are some other general activity coaching considerations that people should be thinking about? Absolutely. And I don't want to talk too long on this, even though I could, but you mentioned that fun aspect. I think that is so, so, so important. And it's hard to interject that organically. But I think that things like music, you know, I'm no scientist, but music, just the way it impacts our brain and and makes us feel a certain way, integrating things like music into your meetings, having um, funny memes and gifts in group chats, and having YouTube videos prepared ahead of time that you're not there. So much goes into preparation too. You're not there two minutes before the meeting trying to find something. You took 15 minutes the day before to say, this is the video I'm going to share and the message I'm going to share with it. So you prepared to, to interject that fun or that message into the meeting. So I think that fun, uh, it goes a long way to then when you need to be serious about the accountability and about the things they need to do to be successful and make an impact on others during their time in the internship. It makes it easier to have that yin and yang. And, and balance as a CUD, what we all, I think, try to accomplish of being their boss, but being their friend at the same time. And I think another layer of that is letting them know, reminding them constantly, yes, this is hard, but here's how I'm here to help you. 
my mindset as a CUD was to really be just the best ever and that I took so much personal responsibility and it's my job to drag these interns if I have to. And I wanted them to know that and feel that. And so then they felt like they had to, uh, because of that relationship, they don't want to let me down. We called our recruiter mama bear. They didn't want to let her down. They were always hanging out with her. Right. And so just that those relationship aspects so that when you do need to deliver the tough messages and things that need to be said, uh, I think go a long way. And then the last piece I'll add on this too is helping them acknowledge that the discomfort is very real when they're reaching out to friends or they're making phone calls that are uncomfortable or they're asking for referrals, acknowledging that that discomfort is absolutely there. And if we just acknowledge it, breathe through it, if you might, or whatever you need to do to just say, hey, discomfort, I see you. I'm doing this anyway. The trade-off of those few seconds of discomfort is everything in your vision and the business and all of the impact you make on your clients. That's the trade-off. I tell them, speak in their language, the worst thing that's going to happen is your friends are going to make fun of you in the group chat, which to a college kid is like death uh, <laughs> to be the, the butt of the joke in the group chat. But like, all right, yeah, you might have to take it from your friends in the group chat here and there. But the trade-off for that is so much success, revenue, experience, and impact. And, and I think it's a no-brainer. And we don't want to make our decisions based on fear, but acknowledging that it exists and doing it anyway. Such good advice. That's so awesome because I we talk all the time about normalizing things. Like, here's how you're going to feel. And then when it happens, they're like, oh, yeah, you prepared me for this. As I think Granham calls it, draw the venom, pull the sting. And, and it just makes it so much better. And the other thing that you said that I think is so important is the fun aspect because that's sort of the universal piece, I think, that appeals to internships, whether they're really serious about the career, whether they're just test driving it or whether they just need something for their resume, that appeals to all of them and makes sure that everybody has a great experience. We're not just focusing on the ones that we think are going to go full time. And I, I think that's so critical. I agree, Sabina. And, and just to add one more thing very quickly, um, the other thing I had in my notes is, is theme. We had themes that were part of our program that we bought into. And two of those that I think are relevant is one is everyone on our team is a leader. And that we don't complain and we don't make excuses and that everyone is responsible for some aspect of leading themselves in the program. And then the other is when we commit, we win and winning obviously has to do with goalposts and things like that. But winning is also win is also an acronym for whatever is necessary. So it's expected that you will do whatever is necessary to hit your commitment. I love that. I've not heard that before. The win. Mm-hmm. Whatever is yeah, necessary. Whatever is necessary. Going back to your comment about fun. Uh, We've talked about how impactful it is. I also think you alluded to the idea that it takes preparation, right? You can't just show up. And Sabine and I did a podcast recently. We were a guest on LZ's podcast show, and we were talking about what we do to prepare for our podcast. And I have always been a firm believer that for as much For whatever length of time that you are either presenting or facilitating, you probably need to put about the same amount of time into preparing. So getting creative and maybe spending some time the week before or, you know, a month in advance, but finding those videos, those memes, those things ahead of time that really work that you can use over and over again. So I just think it's worth the preparation for the impact that it will have. 
Absolutely. It makes all the difference between just winging it and there's that little bit of extra intentionality with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any other um, differences or considerations? One thing that comes to my mind for me is generational differences. And I realize from a coaching standpoint, we talk about the importance of coaching to the individual. So absolutely, we can't just assume that, oh, they're in this generation, we're going to treat them this way. But we all know, right, that there are general differences within generations. So anything that you would recommend right now for people who are coaching interns that might be helpful from that standpoint? Absolutely. I think just asking good questions, of course, during during the interview process as well, because there's generational differences, but also just background and diversity differences. Mm-hmm. I remember, I'll never, ever forget Samuel Noyola in an interview, a little bit hard. Uh, English wasn't his first language. And we're in the interview and he loved the kid, but just wanted to protect him from what I believed was going to be a really tough experience for him. And I said, Sam, we, we really want to have you, but this is going to be really hard. And he looked back at me and said, everything's always been hard. Mm. And uh, he's like, my life's always been hard. And I was just like, dude, all right, let's do it. And now fast forward, he's converted and, and an achievement award producer. But to get to the generational aspect of things, that's where, yeah, things like memes, and reels. And I think when we try to act like them, that's not the move (laughs) as much as it is to understand them (laughs) and, and appreciate and, and laugh at their humor and take it a little bit yourself too. Like when they're kind of poking fun at you, not to take it too personally and to to give it back. And the more time you spend with them, then the more you're going to get a feel for the delivery of certain things and just how their uh, conversations and jokes and demeanor ebbs and flows a little bit. I have a 21-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 13-year-old, so I can second that. (laughs) You can say the coolest thing that all of their friends are saying, but it just does not land the same when it comes from somebody older than you. So I'll have to second that. And so an element of humor there. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Trying to make fun of yourself then too, right? I think we have to, yeah, you kind of alluded to that earlier. So. Any other pieces of advice when you think about activity coaching for interns? What other things would you add or what questions should we have asked that we didn't? I think for one thing, what I would suggest is when we're communicating expectations is that uh, when we're sharing those, that we're actually explicit with the expectations. So I feel like a lot of times, you know, when you hear people working with interns and saying, here's what our expectations are for whatever period of time, that they're a little more implicit than explicit. And if we could be much more explicit, it's going to help those interns so much more. So not only telling them, you know, what these expectations are, but why are these expectations important and how does it actually impact them? But then the other piece is showing them how to do those things. So if you can design simple, so not simplistic expectations, but simple expectations that interns can understand, comprehend, implement, and then tie to whatever their outcomes are, I think that's just a huge game game changer in working with them to help them determine, do I have the ability to do it? And if I have the ability to do it, how do I do it? And then do I have the motivation? Because we know if you have to have ability or motivation or both to be able to do these things. And do I have the motivation to do it? And then I think it's tying it back into all the things that Gabe said is once they know, you know, what's expected of them and how to do it and why to do it, um, having a coach, you know, like Gabe or, or structuring it like that helps tremendously in being able to get to whatever level they want to get to. So even though I said 15 fact finders in the summer, their goals might be higher than what 15 fact finders is actually going to get them to. So if it is, you're creating a different type of coaching agenda specifically for them to help get them to those levels. So just because it's one, you know, kind of line in the sand doesn't mean that all of your interns have to be 
you know, focus specifically on that. They've got to focus on whatever their goals are. And if you ask interns what their goals are, no one's ever going to say, you know, I'd like four lives this summer. They're going to say whatever you've already shared with them. So if you're talking about 10 or 20 lives or whatever it is, they're going to feed that back to you. And now you have to have, uh, create a realistic plan for them to be able to do that. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. To add on to that, Sarah, the other couple points I'll mention is the like four minute mile scenario where once the four minute mile was accomplished and others then followed it up and now high schoolers across the country run a four minute mile, even though it was such a feat before that pushing when you have someone truly special that's putting the momentum in or putting the effort in and they're writing 40, 50 lives as an intern plus that you help make that transferable, do what you can to help the other interns realize the transferable skills that exist there and that they can do it too. And I know that, oh, well, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to have someone like that? But who can that person be and visualize and, and, and do what you can to, if you have someone special like that, get them as, as far as you can absolutely take them to be that leader for the office. That coupled with the momentum from getting sales. So we talk, there's another thing with EGP about this playbook that we're doing sessions on and, and having early success and making money and having confidence. That's just going to put them in such a, a feel good place that they'll be more willing and excited to pick up the phone the next day. And I know we can't control that for everyone, but the better of a job we can do on the whole thing to get them having that early success, which we could talk forever about, um, the easier it is to, to do the activity and be excited about it, of course. So you mentioned a couple resources that you utilize in your coaching or in your work. You mentioned the playbook. If people are interested in learning more about the work that you provide or the consulting and training that you do, um, learning more about how to build internship programs, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. So my email is gabe at empiregrowthpartners.com, but the other one is info at empiregrowthpartners.com is more of the uh, general place to field inquiries uh, where we can absolutely chat and, and talk through anything that might be uh, helpful to an office. But that, that early momentum and confidence that it gives those interns to get paid. We talk about five lives in 30 days and the activity that they do pre-contract and post-contract with joint work um, and then being able to use that to get sales in the young professional market combined, which should make them, depending on their average case size, you know, $2,000 to $3,000 in the first 30 days. And I don't know many interns that would be excited to prospect and pick up the phone if they just made $3,000 in their first month. Right. Absolutely. I know uh, Sabine and I could talk about activity coaching type stuff. I mean, some of our podcasts, we say they could be two hours long, but we try to keep them, we say to drive time, right? Like errand time or running to the grocery store or dropping the kids off. I clearly can tell by your passion and your knowledge that this easily could have been a couple hour, if not longer, yeah. um, podcast. But uh, we so appreciate you joining us today. Sabina, any final questions before we wrap up? Questions or comments on your end? Actually, so there, there's one that was in the notes that I think is actually kind of important if we have a couple more sure, minutes, and that's about group coaching, like doing things in a group versus individual, because I think that's one of the big differentiators between full-time activity coaching and internship activity coaching, because there's just a bigger group of them at one time. So can you just real quickly talk a little bit about how you manage that? And if you ever like kind of pull people out of the group because they're exceeding expectations or how that works? Absolutely. Uh, one thing I had a group, I had a notification go off on my phone that was pirates, goats, and wannabes. And I know that sounds weird, but each group was a different segment of people in my mind. So 
there was also another layer of how I was communicating with those folks on a daily basis outside of the formal setup in the office. But in that group setting, I always really loved having a conference room, say there's four or five interns in there, the numbers up on the board, and then I'm kind of walking around the conference room and, you know, talking more closely with one of them or talking to the whole group, using more hand gestures, keeping the velocity of the meeting moving, I think is a big thing too. And and feeling comfortable with the interns and yourself kind of interrupting each other, like making that okay, that it's not this, we need to raise our hand or anything. It's, hey, Dials, what happened here? Tell me, what could have been better? Was it effort or something going on? And just having the high velocity, high energy in those group meetings, making them as efficient as possible, but having the preparation of the numbers ahead of time, things like that, um, I think uh, make for an uh, effective and smooth meeting for with a group. Sarah, anything you would add? So I, I do think um, inside the group meeting, the, the structure that we've recommended too is like that when people are doing better activity or having better results is that they are moving to, you know, the next level. So that's probably what your levels are, uh, games, as you were talking about, yeah. like the pirates, the goats and so on, is pulling them up to go into those level or into those groups that interns are having much more success because that, I think that's a phenomenal way for them to be able to feed off each other and, and somewhat really reward them being in groups where they're going to be challenged because that you're the average of the five people you hang around. So if we can put around, you know, above average people, that'd be fantastic for them. Gabe, define your pirates, goats, and wannabes. Who would go in each group? <laughs> so, yeah, please. <laughs> yes. So pirates, I love that. <laughs> uh, me too. It was just a fun reminder, but it was, uh, so the pirates are the ones who I really like that are just for some reason not doing the deal. Like these are the people that we could see and enjoy being around and want to be a part of our office culture for a long time to come. But there's something scurvy. There's something, you know, there's something different of why they're not doing the deal. They're a little, they got a little pirate in them, um, that they're not getting the job done. And then, uh, they're, they're trying to just ledger flop or sell. There's something going on. And then, uh, the ghosts are just the ones who are just dream interns who are generally doing the deal. They're the greatest of all time and acronym there. They're the ghosts. And those are also people that are converting and full-time that I may not have been spending as much time with and making sure I'm still loving on them and building that relationship. And then the wannabes are the kind of the newbies, so to put it simply. Nice. I could see that working for full-time, actually, right? Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very fun. Good. Great question. Yeah. Thank you for that follow-up, Sabina. This has been so much fun. I always love having guests, and you two have been great. We're going to have to get together outside of this and just hang out, have a virtual cocktail or something. <laughs> You're both a lot of fun. So thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today and for listening in. We hope you keep learning and growing, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.